Well, this morning, we are very excited to kind of continue with our perspective series. I am Pastor Daniel Brooker here, and I am the head of school at Erie First Christian Academy. Uh, And I'm so excited that I get to come this morning with some fellow friends that I'll introduce here uh, in just a little bit to kind of share with you, uh, kind of talking, continuing the series on perspectives. Uh, And last week, it was interesting. It was interesting. I had some one of you come up to me last week and say, you know what? Hey, I really appreciate you and what you say. I only have one issue is that you're a Patriots fan. And so I'm sorry. I mean, you will realize right away that we are not all perfect like the Patriots season so far. Um, But I'm just I'm sorry. That's it. That's all I got. That's all I got today. I'm done. I'm done. All right. But we are very excited for this series and that we can kind of continue along as we're looking at Scripture and looking here at this idea of perspectives and how we can ask some of our congregation members to come and join us this. Uh, Pastor Nicole started us last week, uh, and I'm very excited to continue on with it. And in this series, we're getting back to saying, hey, the Bible, right? Everyone say the Bible. Right, we're getting back to the Bible. We're looking at the four Gospels, all right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And how each and every one of these Gospels was written with a different perspective to cover the life and ministry of Jesus. How each Gospel was written and wrote from a different angle or perspective that looked at the character of Jesus from different angles. Now, in Matthew, we looked at it and we saw that it says Jesus is king. In Mark, it has the perspective that he is servant. In Luke, it has the perspective that he is the son, and then a perfect human. And in John, we have that he is the son of God. And Pastor Nicole said this last week, and we continue with it, that the gospel writers are united in heart, but unique in their perspective. Right? So as we look at these scriptures, as we look at the gospels, and as we look and see how they're united in heart, but they're unique in perspective, our goal with this October series is that each one of us is going to share how we, you can uniquely have a perspective on the word of God. That what creates those angles, what creates those perspectives is a variety of life experiences. Because how many of you know the person next to you probably has experienced life a little different than you have? How, and as we believe that the scripture and as word of God is God breathed, we believe that God's word is alive and breathing, that it changes, not that it changes the content, but it changes how you read it. How many of you have read a verse, a same verse that you read 10 years ago, but the fact is when you read it today, it meant something that's just a little bit different to you. It spoke to you and you used it in a little bit different of a way. It's alive, it's breathing. And so as we look at this, we realize that our perspectives will help us get a better, more clear, more true understanding of Jesus Christ, that even as a church here, that we would be united in intent, but unique in our perspective. Now, because of this, we have to realize that all of us look at something very different. Now, I have to give a little bit of a disclaimer here, all right? We are all friends. We love each other. Remember that. You guys are all scared right now, right? Remember, we love each other. We are a church body. We realize that we can see something, see the same thing, but see it differently, and we saw this demonstrated with this picture here not too long ago. All right, I have to ask the question. How many of you look at this picture and see a blue and black dress? Now, how many of you look at this picture and see the white and gold dress? I'm praying right now for you all. (laughs) 
This is a phenomenon that just can't, I mean, literally, you can ask, my, my brother's in town, and his wife and my wife, we were sitting there arguing about this last night, going back and forth, going, how do you not see it? It's blue and black. And they're like, no, it's gold and white. And we can see the same picture, but yet our perspectives look at it. I mean, I researched this. I was like, what's the science behind it? Guess what? They can't figure it out. All right? They don't know exactly what it is. They say it could be something with the way our brains perceive colors. But I can officially tell you, it is blue and black. <laughs> the makers of the dress said they have never made a white and gold dress. That How this started was... A woman was buying this dress for a wedding, sent it to her daughter-in-law, or soon-to-be daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law was like, you bought the wrong color. And then she went to Facebook and said, what color is this dress? And so it's a very interesting how we can see this same picture but see something very, very different. We do have marital counseling if you have differing views on this, all right? Uh, Pastor Steve is going to be leading that throughout the week with Pastor Don as well. And so... But seriously, as we go forward and as we look at this, we can see the fact that there are important takeaways from God's word. And in the series, that we understand and really grab hold of the fact that reading scripture for yourself is important. Reading scripture for yourself, going through the gospels for yourself is important. That's why last week, Pastor Nicole challenged you and encouraged you. All right, we're running a little bit past encourage. We're, we're challenging you to read through the gospels. Because as much as the three people who are up here last week, this week, and the weeks coming forward have our own perspectives, you need to be in God's word and reading it for yourself. So as we continue, we're going to dive into God's word and sift through it from your life and your angle. And God is going to teach you things in a true and meaningful way. How many of you have started reading through some of the gospels this week? All right. Excellent. If your hand's not up, change that for next week. Start reading through the Gospels, all right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so I challenge you that month with this. Now, when we do that, we're going to discover something fresh, something new, something that perhaps we've never seen before. And I believe that we're going to meet Jesus in a powerful way through this month in October. All right? Now, I'm going to introduce to you today some of my fellow friends and our special guests who are up here. We're going to start over here to my right. And so we have up here Adam Blazik. Can we give it up for Adam? Now, Adam will describe himself as, I feel like I'm at the beginning of like a, a game show host. And Adam will describe himself as a newly married of just a bit over a year to his wonderful wife, his words, all right? Not to, <laughs> she's wonderful. Uh, wife, Leah, and grew up in Erie. Now, he went to high school, college, and has been local here in Erie, and then traveled internationally for four years playing professional basketball. He then felt the call from God to give up the life that he knew so that he could now serve as the youth and young adults pastor here, as well as also the gym teacher what, what, for Erie First Christian Academy. Sorry, I had to put that in. So let's give it up one more time for Pastor Adam Blazy. Now to my left over here, if we were going to put her between here, it would be the rose between the thorns, right? We'd say that. and say, So, but she's to my left, so she's over here. And we have Allie Saring. Now, Allie is a campus pastor, a campus missionary for Chi Alpha at Edinburgh University. Where's the Chi Alpha people at? I, I didn't expect that you guys, I thought you guys would just like shout out to begin with. No. But she is passionate about you guys and passionate about reaching UPGs, which I'm so grateful she put in there unreached people groups, all right, in the nation and outside of America. 
Now, she also likes fall and tacos. Just so you know. And graduated in 2014 with a degree in journalism. So can we welcome them today, this morning? Now, as we said, now, we look at Scripture differently. So I'm going to take a second here, and I want us to kind of explain maybe what really has been significant in helping to shape our perspective as we read a word of God. We're going to start with Adam. Adam, go ahead and kind of tell us what has shaped that perspective for you. Sure. I think um, there was a big moment that influenced my perspective to the word of God, and um, it was a verse that God gave me um, in just a really unique way. So I was living... Um, overseas in the Republic of Georgia. And raise your hand if you know where the Republic of Georgia is. Okay, there's four of you in here. That's south of Russia, north of Turkey. I was living over there um, playing, and I was, I'd met the Lord, and it was just starting to grow in my faith, and God was transforming, the Holy Spirit was transforming me. And um, there was this night um, where I, was, I woke up several different times, um, and that's not me. You can ask my wife. I sleep very heavily, so... I kept waking up, and I didn't know what was going on, and I had remembered um, a few days earlier, I had read 1 Samuel 3 about God waking up Samuel in the night, calling to him. So I just woke up and asked God, what, what do you want to say to me? I'm listening to you. And I felt him speaking to my heart, the verse, Isaiah 40, verse 8. And I had never read the book of Isaiah at that time, nor did I have a clue what the eighth verse of the Chapter 40 was, so immediately I, I was up, it was probably 4 a.m., and I'm searching my, in my Bible, and, and some of you may know it, but the verse is, though the grass withers and the flower wilts, the word of our God stands forever. The word of our God stands forever. And, and so God in this in chapter, in these verses, kind of pits together, compares how fleeting this world is and the earth and our lives, and then compares it to the, his word, which is eternal. It stands forever. Um, and that verse really just, it stood out to me because one, it was encountering God in a powerful way. I had never experienced something like that before. Um, and so, and it was just crazy. I didn't, I knew it wasn't Isaiah chapter 48. I just knew, my spirit knew it was Isaiah 40 verse 8. Um, and so that verse um, just really spoke to my heart and it changed my perspective on how I, on how I approached the Word of God. I grew, I grew up Catholic, which sometimes is a little bit less emphasis on God's Word. And so I just um, went from that perspective to this is eternal and this is, this is my everything. And so I'm going to build my life on the Word, completely on the Word, and trust in God's Word. And it shift, shifted completely how I saw it. Um, Second Peter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness, and through these he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them we might participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the, in the world caused by a deceitful desire. So it just shifted me completely from, okay, this is kind of important to like, this is my everything now, and I'm going to stand on God's foundation alone. Good. That's good. Going back to the, what it is completely and everything. Allie, can you tell us what kind of has shaped your significance or your perspective on Scripture and the significance of it? Sure. Um, I would say I grew up in the church, so I knew at a young age that God's Word, like, was essential, that it was something special. But it wasn't really until my college years when I was a student in Chi Alpha that I really learned that Scripture was something that was alive and active and relevant in my life, like today. 
in 2019. And so I think growing up, I was like, wow, this book was super relevant, you know, back years and years ago. But it wasn't until my college years that I really learned, like, this was something for me right now today. And I think that was because I walked through some really just challenging life things during my college years, whether that was broken relationships or, or just death of people in my life or um, walking through some seasons of just like anxiety and depression and like it had to get to, like everything kind of got stripped away to a point where the only thing that I had left to stand on was God's words. Like there were moments where like I would hug my Bible. Like you know when you get so desperate and like the only thing that you have left to cling to is the word of God and it becomes so alive and just tangible um, in your life. And so I think some of just like my life experiences have shaped my perspective on just the value of scripture. And then I think another thing was when I kind of got to a point where um, I stopped like contemplating the word of God and I started to actually apply the word of God because we can contemplate a lot of things in scripture, but you will not see life change. It will not come alive to you and be active and relevant if there's no application. So I think some life circumstances have got me to a point where I was like, I have to start applying this because just thinking about it, just contemplating about it, I was not seeing life change or life transformation in my life. And so that, I think that's how it caught to be a place that was like just really foundational for me. Yeah. And so these perspectives, yeah, give it up for these two. So these perspectives right here, as we look at this passage in a second here, these kind of helped mold how we looked at it. And you probably are going to sit there and look at the same passage and use your life experiences. And let's look at it together. We're going to look today at a scripture from Matthew. So we're going to go to Matthew 5. If you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and grab it. If you uh, want to grab one from the pew in front of you, you can do that. And we also will have it on the screen here. So we're going to read Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16 here. It says, Salt and light, you are the salt of the earth. But if that salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled by men. For you are the light of the world, and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You see here, this verse here in Matthew, we're looking at it, and again, I always want to look at it, not just, you don't want everyone to pull Scripture out from right where it's at and never look what's around it, right? To get perspective, we have to look at what comes before and a lot of times what comes after. And before this, we see in the passage that Jesus just went down this list of Beatitudes. How many of you know the Beatitudes if we're talking about that, right? He went through this list at the Sermon of the Mount where he's talking to the people saying, hey, this is the Beatitudes. This is what's going to make us different. And he's talking about this list of countercultural trends. And it continues then after this salt and light with some more things saying, hey, this is how you've done it before, but I'm telling you this is how it's going to be done and it's going to be different. And so we look at this and it's just not just what to do, but for who we're supposed to be, right? It's not the do attitudes. It's the be attitudes. All right? It's who we're... Thank you for those who laughed at that dad joke. All right? It's the be attitudes. All right? It's who we're meant to be. Now Jesus says here that we are to be the salt and the light. And that, that is who we are, but these things can inhibit us. There's things that can inhibit us this morning. Now, this section, as I read this, and from my perspective, I feel that it could be summed up in one very important word. And that word is influence. 
that genuine Christians are made to influence the world around us. And so we want to look at these two examples that Christ gives us of salt and light. Now, salt in the biblical times was a preservative, right? It was also a seasoning. It was a preservative, and it was also used for healing factors, correct? So if we're putting this into our current day situation now, we can see that we can be used to flavor things up a little bit. I'm sorry. I am a person that likes to flavor things up a little bit, okay? Let's get this party started, all right? And we flavor things up. But that's not the main reason what it was for. The main reason was it was used to prevent decay, it was used to prevent decay, and light was obviously used within the house. And that reveals items within the house and useful as guiding through the dark areas. So as salt, we as Christians are not here just to do that, but to, to prevent the decay that the sin has brought into this world. That our usefulness is right there to combat against sin. Now, we follow God's teaching to prevent that decay around us, and we spread the light of Jesus to bring him glory. This is our purpose, right? As God says, go and make disciples, going into all the world and make disciples, to show God's love, to influence others by the flavor or the way we live. And the last portion of that scripture today says that let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. And what? Glorify your Father in heaven. You see, as we look at this today, and it says in this verse, we can lose our saltiness, right? We can lose our saltiness. We can lose our impact. And as I looked at this, and I went back again in this teaching, we went back and we looked. I'm sorry. I, I can't stay in a seat too long. If it bothers you, I apologize. I uh, will bounce up and down. Um, in biblical times, in Jerusalem, salt would have come from the Dead Sea. All right? Salt would have came from the Dead Sea. And the reason that salt can lose its saltiness is because of impurities found in it. You see, the salt from the Dead Sea, they had to be careful that it didn't have too many impurities in it because the impurities or the additives is what would cause the salt to lose its flavor or its impact. Let's put that into your life here. Let's make that, take our perspective. What impurities or watering down have we done to our life to cause us to lose our saltiness? What impurities or things have we had in our life that now we've watered it down, it's diluted us, and it's caused us to lose our saltiness? As a church today, we need to be careful and mindful that these impurities will cause us and lose our influence, our saltiness to those who are around us. And we can think that they are little things within our lives. But over time, we become unimpactful uh, and uninfluential to those who are around us. And it's slowly making us completely ineffective in preserving and fighting against the decay that was around. You see, we are called to be different from the environment that we are in. If salt remains in salt, it has no use. It's just salt. If light is in a lit room already, what use is it? Light was called to go into the darkness. Salt was there to prevent decay. We're called to influence others by the way we shine, the way we live, and we want to see that. I want to kind of like go from the other side of it now. So what if, from our angle, we had no salt and we had no light? And so I'm going to jump over here. Ali, I want you to kind of answer that question. Let's think about this. If there was no salt and there was no light, kind of from your perspective, what would that look like? Yeah, when um, a culture has no salt and light, I had to think about this for a second, um, and so I feel like when there's no salt and there's no light, there's no life and there's no hope. 
And like you can literally see it. I think sometimes when you walk into your environment and you're like the presence of God is not here. Um, and I think something that we can do is like we can pray for God to give us his eyes and his heart and he'll be faithful to help us become aware of places that are lifeless and hopeless. Like we sang this morning, like God, you know, make us more aware of your presence. And sometimes we say, God, like make us really aware of environments, of cultures, of places that are, that are hopeless, that are lifeless, that just like need a touch from you. And I don't think it's really that hard to miss, but sometimes we aren't just paying attention to the culture around us. And uh, so we should want Jesus to continue to increase our awareness of people and environments where like we need to bring the kingdom there. Uh, like that place needs a gospel witness. Amen. And every day working uh, with Chi Alpha at Emory University, I see a culture that is severely lacking salt and light. Like Chi Alpha, we are there to be salt and light. These rows... This is salt and light on the campus of Edinburgh University. Like these students right here, they are fighting to bring salt and light to that campus. But in essence, Edinburgh University, college campuses are lacking salt. They're lacking light. They're lacking a gospel witness. And it's a place that the enemy really wants to continue to deem lifeless and hopeless and, and purposeless. And so think what environments that you are in, I'm talking about the university, but they're environments that uh, the enemy wants you to look at and wants you to say, like, these are lifeless, these are hopeless, like, these are purposeless, and he, like, wants to declare spiritual death to those environments. And, like, John 10.10 reminds us that the enemy has a plan, right, one to steal and kill and destroy. Um, So in my environment, you know, the enemy wants to do the same thing, and I talk with students every day whose hearts are just so hungry for something. Um, Like not just hope, but they're hungry for peace, they're hungry for joy, they're hungry for purpose, direction. Uh, They're craving something, they're craving anything that'll give them like a taste of that. And when no salt or no light is present, I see a culture consuming whatever is convenient, right? Like I don't know about you, but when I'm really hungry, like when I'm starving, I don't take time to cook the home cook meal, like my hand is like deep in a bag of cheese puffs or I'm going through like the Taco Bell drive through Like when I'm really hungry and something like healthy isn't present, I will consume whatever is convenient to me. But then I know in two seconds I'm gonna be hungry all over again because those things that I'm consuming are never gonna actually be able to satisfy my like true physical hunger. And I think our hearts are the same way. Like when left hungry, like when they aren't being fed with the things of Jesus, when they aren't being fed with scripture, um, our hearts consume whatever is most convenient. Like our hearts, we say this in Kyle a lot, but our hearts eat lies when they're hungry. Our hearts eat lies when they're hungry. And every day I'm like watching a generation on a campus in a culture with, with no salt and light feeding their hearts with whatever is most convenient. And that could be I don't know, the relationship, the alcohol, the status, the high GPA, the perfect social media presence. Yeah, that's, that's only on college campus. No one else can relate with that from your workplaces or anything. Yeah. yeah. Right. You can, you can see that everywhere. You can apply that, like, into your own lives. And those are lies that they are, that, that they are filling inside. Um, I think that those things are going to bring them life. And when they try to find that satisfaction in other areas, they end up living lives that are what? Bland and dark. So the total opposite of salt and light. They're living lives that are bland and dark. And they're chasing that instead of whatever is truly going to bring them hope in life, something that's eternal. And so like I said, John 10.10 
reminds us that the enemy has a plan, but the flip side of John 10, 10, it reminds us that Jesus has a plan, which is to bring us life and life that's abundant and full and rich. And so um, I think we have a really cool invitation as salt and light to invite the people around us. It says in Psalms 34, 8, to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so as followers of Christ, as salt and light, we get to invite people to taste and see that the Lord is good. Because when we step into environments where no salt and light are present, and when we walk into there, like people know, like there's a literal shift in the atmosphere. And on our campus, like us being salt and light there, people know that there's something different. Like when they talk with us, when they interact with us, when we interact with them on campus, they know there's something different and they don't know what it is right then. But there's something really attractive about the authentic presence of the Holy Spirit. And if we really believe that that is inside of us, like we can take that into any environment. And it's so opposite from the culture that's present that people cannot help uh, but notice. So it's kind of like I saw in light, will we invite people to taste and see that the Lord is good? That's so good. So good. Yeah. We can tell the difference there. Adam, how about your experience and your kind of perspective on this, where we can see that there's a difference between no salt and no one. There's no salt and no light. Yeah, that was good. That's a good word. Um, I think that when there's no salt and light in a person or in a culture, that uh, there becomes an identity crisis. Um, in these verses in Matthew 5, Jesus is very, very clearly telling me and you who we are. We are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Um, and we are only these things, like Ali said, through the Holy Spirit in us. Um, Jesus is the light. And in John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In John 12, 36, Christ says, believe in the light while you still have the light, so that you may become children of the light. And, and I think when People and Christians aren't walking in their identity as children of, of the Most High, um, that are we're not filled up with salt and light, that the kingdom of darkness begins to advance um, because we're not firm in who we are and in the word. And I think a, an example from my life um, where this is happening is in sports culture. Um, I think there's very little salt and light. Um, even if there are Christian athletes, a lot of times they're not bold about what they're believing in. And we can see it um, as sports exalts money and fame, um, idolatry, that athletes are idolized as just higher than any other humans. And I think um, that Christians, if we begin to live boldly, um, living as salt and light, that when we're holy and filled with the Spirit, um, that we begin to call others into that light. Um, that light begins to shine, like Ali was saying, into the darkness, into these places. And then people will start to receive their identity um, and who they truly are. And they won't be searching for anything else. They won't be searching for um, the emptiness, the lies when their heart's hungry, that they'll be filled um, with who they are in salt and light in Christ. That's good. That's good. Yeah, as we, as we look at this and as we see that the, the absence of it, you can tell, I think, what Ali said and what uh, Adam both said here. How many of us can say that we've been in a spot where we can tell that there is an absence of that light, that there's an absence of that salt, and that there's a need for it, there's a the desire for it? I mean, even just in the most simplest of things, that when you taste something and you're like, well, that needs salt, 
It makes a big difference. And the same goes with the world that we live in here, that we need to be that salt, that we need to be that light to the world around us. Now, that's great, and we love that, right? But now you guys are all going, I've heard that before. So what are some practical ways that we can be the salt and light? So we want to kind of share some of those, and I'm going to let them kind of go first, and then I'm going to kind of... uh, kind of bring it back together at the end. So Allie, just, so we said, that's what it feels like when there is no salt, when there is no light. But now what are some practical ways for all of us that we can say, hey, we're going to be the salt, we're going to be the light? Yeah, I I do want to start off saying like there is no place or no environment or atmosphere that is too hard, too dark, too dirty for the love and power and presence of Jesus to break through. And I only think... um, like a reason a place remains unchanged is because we're not obedient to bringing Jesus into those environments, into those cultures. And like we don't live out, as Adam said, like our identity as salt and light, whether that's because of fear or doubt or rejection. But I think the enemy loves those moments when we believe that like there, this place is too difficult. Like this place is too hard to be transformed. Um, so don't buy into that lie. Like we carry the kingdom of God into every environment we step into. So if we truly believe that the Holy Spirit's inside of us, like we can walk forward in obedience, knowing that like the Holy Spirit will be there. So some practical things. Um, I'm gonna, I keep giving some Chi Alpha-isms, but they're not Chi Alpha-isms. They are, uh, they're Jesus. <laughs> they're Jesus. And one of our truisms, we say deep convictions that we hold to as a ministry we say love finds a need and meets it. So love finds a need and meets it. So I think some of a practical way to be salt and light is meeting people's tangible needs. And all throughout scripture, we see Jesus meeting the needs of people around him. He fed them, he clothed them, he listened to them. He just didn't give them like a band-aid of like, your problems are solved, here I am. Like he actually met people's tangible needs. He did something, love is an action, love is on the move. And so I think meeting people's tangible needs is a great way to be salt and light. Like it builds a bridge for the gospel to be put into that environment And, like, in my environment, that looks like, you know, giving students rides to Walmart or feeding a student when they're broke and ran out of meal plans or taking that 1 a.m. phone call when a student is walking through something really hard and I have to go pick them up from someplace, maybe someplace where they they shouldn't be, a situation they put themselves in. So those are some just very tangible things in my environment. So I want you to think about the environment that you're in, the place where the Lord has entrusted you with those people that he has placed around you. And like, what are some ways that you can meet their tangible needs that you can build that bridge um, so the gospel can be in that environment? And then I think another practical way to be salt and light is by inviting people into our lives. And I, we can't be salt and light to the people around us if we aren't being relational with the people around us. Like the way we live our lives, it does speak volumes, but people will not be able to hear what our lives are saying if we're not really getting close to people. Like if we're not really doing life and being around people, if we aren't intentionally fighting for them in prayer and in relationship, and the kingdom of God is established through relationship. And so that is like, the number one way to be salt and light to somebody. And so those people that you are around, God has entrusted uh, their care to you, their, their, their spiritual well-being. And I think the final way uh, to be salt and light is to actually seek out opportunities to have spiritual conversation conversations that get to the gospel. And I think sometimes we think our lives will speak entirely for themselves and they do, but 
just because maybe you, you never swear or you never go see an R-rated movie or those, those very moral things that were like, well, they're going to know I'm a Christian. They're going to know what I'm about. Um, sometimes these, those don't lead to gospel conversations about why we are choosing to live the way that we are. And so sometimes we lean so much in that direction of like, well, they're going to look at my life and, and they're going to see what I do or what I don't do. And that's going to speak for itself. But sometimes we never actually end up getting to talk about the giver of life and, and the reason why we are living in that direction so pray, like pray for God to open up opportunities to have gospel conversations with people, um, with strangers, and that way they can recognize like the salt and light. And just the other day, just a quick story, um, my friend and I went, took a walk by the lake and we're friendly people, people are friendly, hi, hi, and all of a sudden we're talking about Jesus. And I was like, how did, we, how did I get here today? I was trying to take a walk by the lake, I was trying my coffee, and I'm having a conversation with this man who was like digging out weeds in his front yard about Jesus. And it was crazy, because that morning, I like reflected back in my prayer time, and I actually prayed for that. I said, God, like, you can have your way during my day today, um, even if it's talking to a stranger about Jesus. And in a two hour time period, the Lord's like, I'm gonna deliver on that, I'm going to have you be salt and light in this situation. And so pray for God to open doors to have gospel conversations with the people around you. Salt and light, it's our DNA. Like we can lose our saltiness, but we cannot take that DNA out of us. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I know that's right kind of going along with Adam was kind of sharing. Adam was talking about like the fact that like, it's more than just that. And so I'm going to let you kind of share, but you were kind of talking along those same lines. That's good. Yeah, I think it's that combination of the, our deeds of love um, that match our life um, reflected in Christ, our holiness. So um, I think of the light, uh, salt and light. I think of the light as the presence of God in us um, and the salt, like Daniel, Pastor Daniel said, preserving that presence. So um, and this light is, um, it's not like a light bulb that you flick on. Like when Jesus spoke this, the two sources of light were the sun and fire. <clears throat> so when we're called to be salt and light, we're not called to be a, a light bulb, a little light bulb. We're called to be like a blazing bonfire that people see that we bring into the situation. Um, and I think, how, how do I preserve the burning presence of God in me? Um, I think some practical ways to do that, to be salt and light, is um, our life and how it reflects the life of Jesus um, as pure and holy. Um, I think... God, well, I know God says and calls us to be holy as he is holy in First Peter. And then Matthew 5, actually, um, when we look at this scripture, the few verses before in the Beatitudes, verse 8, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. So I think when we choose to live set apart, when we're pure of heart and not stained by the world, um, in the way we speak, um, what we do, uh, what we listen to, what we watch, um, what we wear. I think those are ways that we can be salt and light to the world around us because it shows the standard of what life can be um, with Christ in you, that you don't have to be of the world and that we truly are different. So I think um, living, coupling that, the deeds, the love of Jesus, if we just, <clears throat> if we just do good things and we don't live a life reflected as Christ and in, in his devotion to God, his holiness. Um, people may not associate that, like the end of this verse in Matthew, to glorify God, because there's a lot of Christians or non-Christians who 
they do nice things. They're kind. Um, they don't believe in Jesus. So I think, like I said, when we do those, those deeds when we live out the life of Jesus and then we couple it when they see us in our life in, in the holiness, um, it, really, it really brings salt and light. And there was a, some scripture that I really, um, really thought was a good example of God seeing us and, and salt purifying us. So our light can shine, and it's 2 Kings 2.20. And there's some water that's um, polluting land and at the time of Elijah. And he says, bring, Elijah says, bring me a new jar and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. He went out to the spring of water, and he threw the salt in it and said, Thus says the Lord, I have purified these waters. There shall not be from their death or unfruitfulness any longer. So the waters have been purified to this day according to the word of Elijah, which he spoke. And I think that can be related to our life and our old life compared to our new life. When the salt, when the spirit of God comes inside of us, that we're purified and then we can be fruitful for God. And, and those things really couple together. And, and those are practical ways to, to be salt in life is just allowing our life to match up to what the word of God says and how we act. And then just when we, when we act with people and apart from people as well. Yeah, I think this morning, I think as we look at this and as we kind of consider these verses and consider this, what we've been talking about, the salt and the light here, we look at the fact that it's not just, it's not an or. That's what these discussions, that's what these perspectives discussions are about. It's not just, a, is it this or is it this? It's, it's and. It's the word and there, right? It's the fact that we are called to be the salt. So that means our actions, but also having that presence of God that empowers that. That the light that we have that goes forward is because of that. And I think for me, the practical ways that I see this is that wherever you're at, so where you're sitting right now, where you're at in your work, a lot of times we think, I got to go somewhere else to be the salt and light. It doesn't say that. It says you are, right? So where you're at in your life right now, how does this apply to you? How can you be that salt and light? How could you do that? And I think as Christians, one of the big things that if we're saying that this is about influence, this is about what we do, if this is about, you know, some of the things that God's presence in us is that we believe God is a God of excellence and that we're called to be examples and that it's not an excuse for us to be subpar, rude, wavering morals, or low integrity. See, how many of you guys would follow someone like that? How many of us would say, you know what, I want to go hang out with that person who is, how's your day? Uh, it's okay. It's great. God's good. Yeah. Oh, you love Jesus? Yeah, he's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm really convincing. But how many Christians do we know who are like that? who are the same or don't seem excited about what God is doing in their life or don't show an excitement and joy, who don't show something or they're like, you know what, that's a Christian movie, which is almost an excuse for it to be as, not as good of a movie as another one. We as Christians are called to be excellent. And Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. You see, this verse here, salt and light, the saltiness, the salt, the light that is within us is that presence of God. And if we truly believe in that, then don't you want to give your best? I think as Christians today, if we're going to be influencers and we're going to realize that we can influence this world, we need to be willing to be bold, like we said, to have those opportunities, to pray for strangers, to go out, to be bold and be willing to go and stand there and say, you know what, I am different 
But then as 1 Peter 3, as 1 Peter 3.15 says, that we must always be prepared to give an answer. But as Ali's mentioned here too, you got to be prepared because sometimes it's not always, it's like, I'm going to preach without using any words. Well, if you're not anywhere near someone who's in darkness, then how are we truly being light? So today, church, as we look at this and as we pray about this and as we believe, we Christians, we need to start expecting God to move where you're at right now. But you got to be ready for that too. And you need to be saying, God, use me. Give me the opportunity to talk to strangers. Let your presence come into this place. And we need to expect, stop expecting that we can delude or have impurities or not be set apart. 1 Peter 2.9 says that we're chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that we proclaim his excellencies of him who, again, who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, we're called to show God. The salt and the light, you are called to show Christ. And if your actions don't do that, if our actions don't do that, then what salt are we? What light are we? This morning, I want to end with this. In Isaiah 58, 6 through 10, if you know this verse, he talks about what he expects from a fast and what he expects from his Christians and how he wants them to do it right. So let's look at this. It says, it is not this the kind of fast that I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. And then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. And then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. So then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will call for help and he will say, here am I. So if you do away with the yoke of oppression and the pointing of fingers and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and the night will become like the noonday. We're not saying let's be status quo. We're not saying let's just meet the bottom line here. But I prayer, and my prayer for this church is that we would rise up and that we would say, I'm going to be the salt. I'm going to be the light. I'm going to look for the opportunities. And God, I am going to be the best I can be for your glory. And that way that when someone says, why are you so good at what you do? It's not just based off of our past experience, but we say, you know what? I do it because I'm higher. I am called to a higher standard. And we believe that God is calling you today, wherever you're at, to be that salt and to be that light. So as we pray today, I got to tell you, I don't have the exact answer for you in your workplace. But I think if you think about it and you take a moment and you pray and say, God, what have you been speaking to me about? I bet you that there is one area at least that we can say, you know what, I've been complaining I've been joining in with everyone and complaining about my boss. I've been joining in everyone with been cutting the quality of what we do. Or I've been doing this. Or you know what, God, I saw this need. Maybe I haven't joined in with it, but I saw this need. And you could probably already address at least one area where you say, God, let me be the salt there. Let me be the light. Stand strong. Stand bold. Let's pray together this morning. 
God, we thank you so much for this wonderful day. We thank you that we're able to come together. And God, I pray that we take this calling seriously. That God, you have said that we are the salt and that we are the light and that we will not be hidden. So God, I'd say today, and we declare this, I pray, God, that you will give us new platforms. That we won't back off, but God, that we would step forward, even if it's into governments, if it's into education, if it's into place. That as Christians, we would say that, like Ali has said, God, I pray that we would never declare someone or something beyond your reach. We pray and we declare this morning, God, that we will go where you call us. That we will be your hands and feet. That we will declare and show the glory of God in what we say in what we do. God, let us be vessels of love and of truth and grace. Jesus, let us be you. Let us be you this morning and this week as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Let that be your prayer this week, that you say, I am going to be Jesus in my workplace. I will be the salt and the light.